Big Brown Horse Podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Panels and Bars. You're joined by your usual hosts, myself, BB Manic, and Patrick Allen. But first, the news. In gaming news, E3 sadly announced that this year they will not be having a physical uh, showroom. They'll actually do everything online, and just is due to fears of the Omicron variant getting worse. So it's not really a big surprise, but it is kind of disappointing to a lot of gaming fans who are looking forward to seeing that again whilst the announcements are always great a big part of what makes e3 really exciting is actually seeing the footage of the fans on the show floor seeing people try things out and seeing presentations so it's not going to quite be the same but at least we will get it in some form this year so patrick uh, hot take hold on the hot take from the gaming nerd here uh, the E3 is never coming back, man. Like, you think there's so? never going to be another physical E3. Yeah, and I th- and I wouldn't be surprised if the even the online show was dead within two or three years, probably. Uh, I don't think that that company can afford to run it without EA or Sony or Microsoft being involved. I just don't. I, I don't think that's gonna that's gonna last. It'd be really sad because I love E3, but yeah, I just I think that Sony have had loads of success with just doing press conferences at different times of the year, and really from a marketing perspective it makes no sense for everybody to announce their games at the same time because everybody is fighting for the same attention at the same time. And when Sony moved theirs to like three months later, they got like 10 times as much attention because nobody else was announcing games then. And it just feels to me like it's a relic of like a kind of press-driven offline era that won't continue because the more people split away from it, the more they'll be like, hey, when we don't announce our games at the same time as Microsoft, people pay more attention. Uh, so yeah, I don't think I don't think that's going to come back really in the same form that it used to be. So Patrick, a kind of uh, glass half full guy, but no, no, I, I, I totally understand what you mean. I know what you mean. I can. I, th- I think every geek industry has an E3 equivalent. Obviously, comic books have Comic Con, and I don't know a lot of a lot of people know this, but toys and action figures actually have Toy Fair. Yeah, and a similar thing happened with the first COVID era Comic Con which is where a lot of companies chose to have their own con, Mezco con, McFarlane con, whatever, which was just, you know, a, a, a slide sheet on online or a YouTube video. And as you said, they had massive boosts. It's sad as a fan, but yeah, from a company point of view, if you're talking about bottom line, it completely makes sense because to go to a convention, you have to fly at least two of your employees cross state lines. You have to put them up in a hotel. You have to pay them for the weekend. You have to take care of their food. And then... If they're selling product, they have to physically take the product with them. So you're paying probably the taxes on that, the shipping. If it doesn't sell, you have to pay to ship it back. There's all that stuff that you skip if you just make a YouTube video. Yeah. So, yeah, I think whilst, yeah, as a fan, it's, it's going to suck to not see these companies on the showroom floor. Like you said, as a company, you look at it and you're like, why wouldn't we do this? Why would we go to a building to compete with thousands of hundreds of, of other companies when we could just be here? and have Monday to ourselves rather than have Saturday competing with a thousand other companies. So yeah, you're right. I think from a business point of view, it is very outdated. As a fan, I want to see it because obviously it's more convenient for me. It's more exciting to have all that choice. But yeah, I think seeing how well Mm, Nintendo Direct did and how well Sony's presentation did, yeah, the way of the future might be, we don't need you. People know who we are and people 
can't find out how to hear our announcements so yeah yeah and it's weird because like obviously it it kind of like that attention being drawn to one place benefits smaller creators usually, mm-hmm. but it also, as you say, it costs them so much. And like, sure, Microsoft can afford the incredible layout of having a giant E3 presence, but like mm-hmm. smaller developers definitely can't and are already kind of more reliant on social media anyway. So I think that everybody now is at yeah. a point where they're all like, do we need this? And I think they all kept doing it out of kind of just habit. Yeah. And all it took was for COVID to break that habit. And loads of people are like, uh, well, maybe maybe we don't need this. So, yeah. Rest in PC3. <laughs> Patrick, <laughs> what do you think of No Way Home? I liked it. I mean, it was it was good. I'm, I've, I've heard people being like, it's the best superhero movie ever. And it's their favorite MCU movie. I've heard several people in the past week say it's their favorite film of all time. Not just superhero, favorite film. That's in, that's insanity to me. Um, yeah. And the thing is, it's so, I'm going to get to a bit of a rant. And I said this on Twitter about a week ago. A lot of people have attacked me for it. A lot of people said, oh, it's hyperbole, but I'm going to stand by it. And I said, essentially, in my opinion, since No Way Home, I feel like a lot of MCU fans are as obnoxious as Rick and Morty fans were during the whole Cess One Source debacle. <laughs> Seriously, because there's been... So, you you know, obviously, famously, what Scorsese said about MCU films and them being yeah. Yeah, theme parks, essentially. And I believe that even though everyone was up in arms about it, since the release of this film, they have justified his comments because I'm not seeing people talk about the performances or the score, or the cinematography, or any of that, any of the technical elements that make a film a good film. You know, obviously that's subjective. But what I'm seeing people talk about is the moments. And what I'm seeing people talk about with their hopes for the future, they want more moments. People are hoping that if now has a cameo in Morbius, they don't care about the storyline of Morbius, they don't care about the performance, they want a cameo from him, right? I'm hearing people say they want to have another trilogy and these aren't this isn't because you want to see the story explored or you want to see character arcs or you want to eat it's because you want more of these moments then like that's not a film cap lifting cap lifting Mjolnir is great it's not it's not it doesn't add to his arc you know like i just had to get that rant out because i i love this film i have a lot of problems with it and i see why people love it i'm not trying to take away from people's enjoyment of it but it is a bit sad to me to see people just talk about cameos and Easter eggs and not talk about the the craft behind the film. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with my Scorsese about that. Like, I really like Marvel films and I really like superhero mm. films, but I also completely agree with him that there are too many of them and that they're all too similar and that nobody's trying to do anything particularly interesting with them. Like, it's fine for me because I like that thing that they do and then not all that I watch, mm-hmm. I suppose. But like, like I know that they've kind of eaten up a huge amount of box office tension mm-hmm. to the point where there's definitely other stuff that could be being produced that isn't in favour of more superhero films. And outside of the MCU, and even inside the MCU, there's lots of them that I'm a bit like, that was bland garbage. So I yeah, I definitely think that they, I, I, I agree with him and enjoy the thing that he's criticising. And I think that's the, that's the other thing, you know, you get back to the, the old tropes argument, but it's okay to criticise things that you like. Yeah. You know, in fact, it's more valuable to look at things that you enjoyed and go, 
that was good, but it's not the best thing in the world. It's kind of it crazy now with social to... media. You can be like, I didn't really like Tom Holland's jeans. And you have 7,000 replies saying, what the hell is wrong with you? You're a DC lover. And it's like, well, yeah. I can dislike that element of it and still like the whole general presentation or want it to be better. Oh yeah, the DC fans as well, like they, like like dare to say that you didn't that you don't like Zack Snyder. And you just get like a barrage of weird people accusing you. Of, head sent to you in the morning. Yeah, and it's just like it's it's just a bit like I'd like I you know, sometimes I'm reading I'm reading things and I see people go, Hey, you know that film you enjoyed? I didn't enjoy it. And I'm all like, ah, cool. Fair enough. Yeah. And what I particularly like is when those people say why. Yeah. Because then I'm all like, ha, huh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, and equally, I like hearing people talk positively about films that I didn't like. Yeah. And I go, oh, that's so, an interesting so perspective. I think I might like, have mentioned this before, but I'm not, I know you are, but I'm not a particularly big fan of The Emancipation of Harley Quinn. And a friend of mine, she is not a big comic book fan, but she loves that film. And we were talking about it. And she said in particular, there was one moment that really just like, it basically melted her heart. The big fight scene in the carnival area, and she said at one point she said if you watch it through the whole fight scene, I think it's Black Canary. She keeps having her hair in her face; it keeps blowing in her face. She's brushing it yeah. away, and then eventually, one of the other girls turns to her and gives her a scrunchie, and she puts her hair up in the scrunchie. And for the rest of the fight scene, she doesn't have to brush away her hair. Now she said to you that probably was nothing to a girl. Instantly, I was like, oh, my gosh, I know a woman directed this. I know a woman. I can just tell it's a small thing, but it yeah. means something that you don't see represented in other films. And she said, similarly, if you look at the Amazons in the Patty Jenkins films, their armor is tactical and it, it serves a purpose for war. If you look at the Amazons in the Zack Snyder films, their armor is very good at showing cleavage. And that's the difference. Yeah. As a girl who goes into these films where women are often just treated as sex objects or they get killed off to drive the plot forward, to see films written and directed by women that present them as actual characters, human beings with feelings, you can appreciate that. So like you said, even though I'm not a fan of those films, I respect that and I appreciate that they speak to someone, which is what I think all these films should do in different ways. Yeah, well, I, I very much felt that like when I went to see Black Panther, like... I liked Black Panther, but I didn't like love it. But then seeing on social media the response from black people, I was all like, well, this is just awesome, isn't it? Like, and in fact, in some ways, I was a bit like, I'm glad I didn't completely get all the aspects of it because that tells me that this film, that they're finally making films for people other, other than, than you, me, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's and that's really and that's that's something that I want. Like, and for also from my perspective as well, like me and Beth, so Beth watches a lot of films that are about like women. Uh, she's not very fond of like, sometimes when we're watching trailers, she goes, that looks a bit mad. <laughs> um, and, and she's really not fond of anything that's like all men talking about other men in rooms full of men. Um, and actually what I found is that spending ages, like judging all the trailers that we watch on that met metric, I've ended up watching really interesting stuff mm. that I wouldn't necessarily have chosen that like now some of the, my favorite films that I've seen in the last couple of years aren't things that I necessarily would have picked. Um, and I think that it's really sad. You know about the Bechdel test, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and that's like, and, 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 and yeah. And like, like I went on the Marvel studios subreddit uh, after this came out and yeah, like the, 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 the enthusiasm is, is nice. Yeah. It is. But there's also a level at which nobody has 
anything bad to say about it yeah. at all. And I, I, like, I have I reading, something bad to say about it. I was reading a thread on there the other day about 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 the TV shows, and they were like, "Which one was your favorite of the of the Disney Plus shows?" And a lot of people being like, "I couldn't choose. They are the six best TV shows <laughs> I've ever seen." And then they were just like listing why they loved each one. And, and, and it's nice. Yeah, I'm it's glad great. that people are enjoying them that much. But like, to me, that seems mad yeah. that you would like, like, cause my, my opinion on the Disney plus shows is Hawkeye was good. The other ones were varying degrees of okay, <laughs> yeah. except for what if and Captain America, which were bad. <laughs> and like the idea that you would watch them and be like, but people love the MCU so much that it being in that world with those characters is enough for them, like, and, I, and obviously, I assume that also a lot of people maybe aren't taking films as seriously as we are, yeah. which is fine. Maybe they're better adjusted than may, they, we are. Maybe they've got more <laughs> stuff going on in their lives. I wonder what that's like. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're not still really angry about Prometheus ten years later. I don't know. Um, <laughs> God, Prometheus is shit. We'll get onto um, that some other day. <laughs> oh yeah, we should watch Prometheus. I mean, we shouldn't, but we will. But yeah, anyway, so. In terms of non-spoilers, I tried to, I, because we were talking about this last week, I tried to think of things I could say mm-hmm. that aren't spoilers. Yeah. So, like, uh, my old favourite, I think the pacing is a bit weird. I was so glad you um, said that. I was going to say we should start with pacing. Like, the first 20 minutes or so, there is so much stuff going on. Like, I, I clocked it, and, like, all this stuff happens inside 20 minutes. There is, like... There is like, and, and a lot of it is dealing with the with the events of the end of the last movie, which this movie does not seem to want to have to deal with, no. which seems really weird to me. Especially because it's the same creative team. If it was a, if it was a Ryan Johnson, Abrams, you've inherited this. I understand it. Yeah, I d- but you set this up, and you knew that you were going to have to deal with it at some point in time. But you have no interest in dealing with it. Um, and then it sags a little in the middle. Mm. But I enjoyed... I, the last hour is really tight and and, and, and well-paced. I enjoyed that. We'll get that. to that. It's got great performances. Not all of them. Most. Like, I'd say most, lot, most of the people pull their weight, though. Yeah. I really, really like... Uh, I think it's got a really good level of Marvel quippy banter. It has too much Marvel quippy banter for me. It's too much. Okay. You know, I, I, saw, I saw this documentary. Sorry to go over. I saw this documentary... Was it was a YouTube video essay, and it was about I think they called it the economy of laughter. So it's when you make a sitcom, it's yeah. how often you get those laughs in. And I think Friends is something ridiculous, like one every forty five seconds. It's something crazy like that, where pretty much every character in the scene will have a quip, will get an audience reaction. And I think they were say the reason they had they were doing the 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 essay in particular was I think the new kind of record for that, if anyone's keeping score, is Big Bang Theory, which is something in the region of one every 15 to 20 seconds. Like, there has to be a laugh, one to, uh, you know, 15 to 20 seconds every time. And I feel Marvel films are becoming that, and it's fine on a sitcom. It's especially fine on a sitcom like Big Bang Theory or How I Met Your Mother or Friends where there are no stakes. In Marvel, where quite often someone's family or even worse, the entire world is in danger. I understand why, conversely, you want to have laughs to ease that tension, but there should be some tension. For me, a lot of these films lose that tension when everything is, oh boy, we're here again. And considering the stakes are bigger for this character than they've been since he joined the MCU, 
there was too much of that in this for me, just way too much. Okay, well, I, I, my, my metric is simpler. It's like, I feel like some of these films, I sit there and I'm like, oh my God, that was a nice moment. Why did you undercut it with a joke? And this didn't do that for me. Like, there were plenty of moments in this where they let a moment not have a joke in it. Um, and there were big emotional beats here that they didn't. Oh yeah, yeah don't, 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 don't get me wrong. There are dramatic moments, of, and there are some sort moments of joke. where you um, feel the impact. But I'd say, especially for the first half, it was just so ha ha. Isn't everything funny? And there was a scene that we'll get to later on that could have been a great action scene that I felt got turned into a joke. And yeah, I just I'm gonna need Marvel to stop it. The the action I think is is kind of hit and miss. There were a couple in here that I really, really liked. There were a couple of sequences that I thought were really good, really clear, really didn't have the kind of rubbery, Ooh, weightless marble that a lot of their action scenes have. And then there were a couple that were awful, where I was all like, I can't see what's happening. So, I don't, so, I, so I don't think it's a spoiler for us to say Doc Ock is in this, because he's in the trailers. And now, so, what I'll, so what I'll say is... Okay, yeah. There was something that was off for me, in Doc Ock's first appearance, which once again shouldn't be a spoiler for anyone because it's in the trailer, it takes place on a highway. I couldn't place why, in this amazing age of CG, this looks worse than the Raimi films. And one of my friends pointed out that the Raimi films, even though there is a lot of CG in them, especially in the train scene or the scene where Doc has Aunt May on the side of the building, for the most part, when you see Doc Ock, that's real physical tentacles coming out of Alpha Molina. And I think you can see that difference. CG is good, but it's not at that point where you can match these big physical props that they built. You can match the weight when they actually, even though it's obviously prop concrete, when they when they smash into concrete, when they're being waved around by puppeteers. And I think you really felt that in that scene. He didn't feel, like in, in the Raimi films, he feels like if he swings one of those arms, he's going to take Peter's head off. I didn't feel that in the highway scene. I yeah, whereas I, I like the highway scene, but um, obviously I guess we've never got into this on the podcast before. Uh, but I mean, I, I I would take slightly weightless CGI over the terrible dialogue and awful acting in the Raimi scene films oh, no, no, no. any I, I've day. Said, I think I've said this before numerous times. I don't like the Raimi films, with the exception of J. Jonah Jameson, and I think some of the casting is good. Even I don't like the dialogue, blah blah. I don't like the Raimi films. However, I do respect that attention to detail and that craft in making those costumes in making yeah those tentacles a real living thing and i feel like i said even like even though i prefer this this trilogy way more in particular that character there is a real sense of you feel Raimi's experience with horror and everything from the operation scene yeah. to when they actually physically have their fights like their fights at the end you think one of them's going to kill the other if they don't kill each they both kill each other and i never really felt that from his character in this um i guess the other yeah, actually coming on to that, the other thing that i guess it's not spoilers to say is this movie is just full of stuff i mean so it is, full of stuff it is so there are so many characters and so many things and and for me, there are definitely things in this that I would have preferred more time with. There are characters from the first two films in this trilogy that I missed and was like, because uh, obviously Peter, Ned, MJ, May, they get enough time. But there's a, 
pretty much everybody else from the first two of these two first two films is just gone. Like Flash is gone, um, Betty's gone. Teachers from the school get like a brief, like it's single like a ten second cameo. Yeah, and like, and I was disabled. Like when me and Beth watched the first one, both of us were like. I would just watch a film about them going to school that didn't even have Spider-Man in it. Just the three of yeah. them hanging out at school. And this is not that. This no. is the opposite of that, where they are... I mean, like, Ned and MJ Which is funny because the, te- the teasers, once again, the, they, the, the trailers tease that. Yeah. But as you say, it's brushed over very quickly. Yeah, because it's, it's busy with a lot of other things. Um, and I mean, we've been speaking for 20 minutes. Do you want to get into some spoilers? I, I think we're going to have to, aren't we? Like, I can't, I can't think yeah. of anything else to say that's not spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun time. Twenty no, minutes is good. That's no, that's yeah. good for us. Look, I, I did like a lot of it. The pacing for me. So I mean, the thing is, anyone who's listening at this point has either seen it or is not going to see it and knows pretty much what's been hinted at in the internet. And for me, th- that what we all sat in the theater waiting for are the other two going to turn up. When they turn up, that's when this film gets going for me there's, yeah. the first half is by no means bad but as you say the first 10 minutes are previously on spider-man okay that's done let's get that out of the way and then it jumps into the stuff you've seen from the trailer and we will get into this later but what the hell is wrong with dr strange <laughs> if a 13 year old comes up to you and says can you change the world for me you don't just say okay sure what is wrong with you? You're an adult. He doesn't even have like a brief conversation with him being like, here's how it works. Is, <laughs> is, is this okay with you? Like that is basic, like health and safety kind of, mm-hmm. like you don't start changing the whole world with magic without first going, hey child, who's asked me to change the whole world with magic. Is it okay if this happens? Because this is how it works. Like it was, it was like the fact that I mean, and I get that it's kind of in in keeping with Stranger's character from the MCU because he's, he's a, a bit dick. of a he's a bit of a reckless dick. But <laughs> it was mad to me that then afterwards he was so oh you've ruined everything, Peter. And I was a bit like, has he? <laughs> yeah, or no, are no, you no, just no, like, have you ruined everything? I'm not going to clean it up because you did this. Are you a child as well? No, fix it. Yeah, like it was, and that was like, I thought that was, and again, like Doctor Strange is a good point to go through to, like, I would really like a whole Spider-Man movie that's just about him. Um, And the ending of this kind of hints that that might be where we're going from now on. But yeah, like the first one is so Iron Man heavy. And the second one has a lot of Nick Fury and gives up quite a lot of of the attention to Mysterio. And this one is has Doctor Strange and other Spider-Mans and stuff. I don't know like, how many people know this, but when the Sony leaks happened a few years ago, it was revealed that Amy Pascal, who produces the Spider-Man films with Avi Arad, Avi Arad, was generally kind of in this state of disarray and she didn't know what to do. And she contacted Feige and said, look, I know we don't really play for the same team, but we both want Spider-Man to do well. Would you help us? And Feige gave her a bunch of notes and one of them, actually, surprisingly enough, was he didn't like Andrew Garfield's performance. But he gave her a bunch <gasps> of notes on how they could change the film. And I think you could see, even though he loves the character and he loved the, most of the creative team, he was panicking about the way Spider-Man was treated. They didn't really listen to a lot of his notes, if you ever read them. Yeah. And obviously Amazing 2 went on to bump. And I think that stuck with him. And so... In the MCU, he's tried to make a film as far away from those as possible. And I understand it. You know, if something fails, you you change everything and see what works. But as you said, he now, 
Spider-Man is in a fi- in a series of films that feel like Spider-Man and Friends. They're never really yeah. focused. And like you said, a lot of my favourite moments in these films are the smallest parts of them. So like, for instance, I love Homecoming. I, I might even put Homecoming in my top five MCU. I really love it. And the things that I like about it are the, the, the homages to John Hughes, you know, him hanging out with yeah. his friends, like, the, you know, the scene where he's trying to chase the drone through the neighbourhood. I love that little montage where he's just being a neighbourhood Spider-Man. So he's showing an old lady the way down the block. He rescues someone's bike. He's just standing there and someone yeah. says, do a flip. Like, I love that stuff. I love that. All the scenes where they're at school and they're like yeah. just hanging out, talking, and Ned's really excited about him being Spider-Man and stuff. Yeah, like, if you I- need all of the end of the world stuff, you have the Avengers for it. But if you need the guy who stops either a burglar or a lesser villain like the Vulture. Like, I know the Vulture is probably beneath a Tony Stark, but he's great for a Spider-Man. He's especially yeah. great for a 16-year-old who is coming to grips with being a superhero. He's not experienced. That's the fun of him. You don't send him straight to Thanos. He's a guy that's still figuring out how to be this hero whilst also trying to be there for his aunt who's lost someone dear to her and trying to balance schoolwork. That's the fun of him. You don't need to give him end of the world stakes to make him exciting. What makes him exciting is he's just trying to be a regular person and live up to his responsibility. I don't think you need to pack all this other stuff on it. And they seem to have yeah. lost that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's a lot of, like Homecoming is solidly my favourite MCU film by, by a quite a distance. I think it's the best of them by, and that's because even with the abundance of Iron Man in it, it's, it's one of the few MCU films that you can just sit down and watch and you don't need, a, like, you need a vague awareness of who Iron Man is. But yeah. outside of that, you don't really need a lot of other stuff going into it. And it's relatively self-contained. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that allows it to be a really satisfying film in a way that a lot of the others aren't. This one isn't very, hey, what's going on in the wider MCU? But it is kind of like, have you watched every Spider-Man film yeah. ever made? Um, well, I think I think it touches on what we spoke about and what you've mentioned with like My, My Hero Academia, which is they realise you can't be like, this is what's going on in the wider MCU, because then you think, well, why haven't any of the Avengers helped him? Yeah. So I think that they've realised they can't do that. Yeah, and like, and and... Like there's lots of stuff like, but the fact the fact that in the first twenty minutes they're all like, "Hey, remember he got his identity revealed? Well, he's uh, everybody knows where he lives, and now people are bothering him, and now he's been arrested, and now Daredevil's his lawyer for three seconds, and now <laughs> he's out, and now he lives now they live with Happy, and now they've gone to school, and now everybody's bothering him at school, and now Flash is writing a book about him, and now and he's just like and like." The point where he goes to the sanctum is literally like 17 minutes into the film. Yeah. And they have completely blown past the... So I did love the Daredevil cameo, but did you spend any of it thinking, wait, is this the actual type of law that Matt practices? Yeah, like, I guess guess what, what what I could forgive there is there's probably not like, yeah, it's probably not been long enough. It's probably not been like the 20, 30 years it would take to establish a branch of superhero law that would have specific lawyers. So yeah. I assume that you're probably just grabbing lawyers and being all like, can you deal with child with spider powers? And they're all like, <laughs> yeah. sure, okay. sure, that works. Give it a go, yeah. man. Like, um, cause in the, cause obviously in the comics, there are specific lawyers who yes. work doing this kind of thing because they Including live in a world where on Disney plus soon. 
Yeah. Um, because they live in a world where it's so commonplace that they need would systems need for, them, for it. Yeah. But but I don't think the MCU is there yet. And um and so I'm I'm okay with what what I was more bothered about was that like I really, I, I would have liked it if Matt had been in it more, I guess. Although, yeah. obviously, I'm just complaining about the big you know characters too much res- stuff. I, I quite respected the restraint. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. Like, and, and, and it was a nice, and in fairness, that is one of the things I love about the comics as well, is that actually quite often in the comics, they're not scared to be all like, hey, look, it's, it's the Hulk. And then he'll be in yeah. it for one page and they don't need to make it into so-and-so and the Hulk. You know, yeah. the, you know, it's funny. The, it's like, I don't, fr- I don't know how many people, in the mainstream, I guess I do know how many people. It's not a lot of people, but in the comics, the funny thing about Spider-Man is that he doesn't like a lot of other heroes, and he's a member of the Avengers begrudgingly. He's a, he's almost always in their huge crossovers and nothing else. And when Brian Michael Bendis put him in New Avengers, a lot of people actually said this is weird because he has said, especially in Marvel Knights Spider-Man, he makes a point of it. There's an issue where he needs their help. Aunt May's in danger, but he can't tell them Aunt May's in danger because he would have to reveal he's Peter Parker. Yeah. So he has his backup. They have their backup. And as he leaves after trashing Avengers Mansion and almost getting to a fistfight with Captain America, he swings off and in his monologue, he says, MJ always points out that I get really tense around other superheroes. And I think what it is is they they remind me of the people that used to bully me in high school. And that's Spider-Man. Like, in, in... Especially in the comics, even though you do have that kind of element, which is similar to Raimi's first film where some New Yorkers would be like, yay, Spidey, he's our hero. A lot of them are like, we don't know what he looks like on that mask. We don't know who mm. he's a human. He could be some weird human-spider hybrid. He's got a creepy costume. He fights creepy guys. And there's also that belief that the heroes bring about the villains. So you wouldn't have a Doc Ock or a Lizard if it wasn't for Peter. So he's not liked by the public and he's not liked by other superheroes. And he's quite, he's this weird insular character and he just keeps to himself and has his own adventures. And yeah, once again, I think I get why you do it. You, it makes for more merchandisers, great crossovers. You have all these moments, but I think they've missed a big part of what makes these char- this, this character stand alone in both senses of the term. Yeah. And um, I think in the same way, like there's, yeah, like there's a lot of stuff. I guess there's a lot of baggage that we bring from our comic book fandom of Spider-Man. Yes, this is true. But I think that there's like there's also some baggage. So like you were saying about Kevin Feige trying not to repeat the same things. I do think it's really interesting that given that the the recognized failure of Spider-Man three is that there's too many villains, and the recognized failure of Sp- Amazing Spider-Man two is that there's too many villains. This has too many villains <laughs> like, from um, those films. It's it, <laughs> yeah, and like. And like there's so there's so there's the five of them and like Doc Ock's great, he's brilliant, Green yes. Goblin's great, he's excellent. And I had a lot of time for this version of Jamie Foxx Electra. I thought he was really good. Yeah. Um I don't know why Sandman and the Lizard are there. Like no. they don't add anything to the plot. They don't no. they're not needed also, for any I feel the action like scenes. I kind of I, Lizard, I feel like well, I agree with you completely. I think you could almost brush aside the lizard world. He's got that crazy lizard brain, so he still wants everyone to be lizards. You can almost get away with that. Sandman, he switches on a dime from, hey, Pete, remember how we shook hands and we're friends now? I'm here to help you to, what? I'm going to kill you, Peter. And it happens in the course of yeah. 10 seconds. <laughs> and, and and it doesn't even, like, it doesn't even try and justify it. And it's no. not even, like, I thought when he first showed up, he was all like, hey, Peter, we're friends. 
I was like, cool, okay, well, maybe he's going to be, maybe the, maybe the dynamic here is going to be that one of the villains is on their side. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's all right. Like, I'm, I'm kind of cool with that. But then, yeah, it just... He just sits with the other bad guys, being all like, <laughs> I don't know. And then and then he's a bit like, Oh, I'm not I'm not sure whether I whether I feel like bad guy today. And then suddenly he just starts punching them. And I'm just like, yeah. why? Like yeah. literally he has why? No motivation. And also, like, the other thing is that like Sandman and the Lizard are in it so little that like there's that when you eventually see their human forms towards the end, they're obviously green screened in. They clearly have You know it's actually crazy. So Sandman, when you see his human form. He's 100% CGI. And Lizard, it was revealed, yeah. you know the scene of him becoming human again? It's literally yeah. the footage from Amazing. It's not new footage. I'm not surprised by that at all. It looks crap. Apparently um, both of them uh, signed on and then it was taking so long to get the film done, they signed on to other commitments. So they had they'd done their voiceover work and when it came time to do live action, they were committed to other things. So they gave their permission for previous footage to be used or new footage to be created using CG. And I guess Marvel didn't want to spend that much money, which is like, why it looks like you and I did it on the weekend. And like Lizard gets a couple of funny gags, I guess, which yeah. might vaguely justify. But like, also, why? Also, once again, talking about CGI, Lizard looks worse in this than he did in Amazing, which was how many years ago now? It put a fucking snout on him, man. Like, you've completely... <laughs> no, but not, not, even his, not even his design. Just the quality of the CG is not as good or photorealistic as it was in the six-year-old Amazing. Like, they've completely redesigned Electro and they haven't, and they don't give any justification for that whatsoever. It's not the guy no. from the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's, he just looks different. Well, he, and he claims the energy in that oh, the energy. reality is different. So why is that not affected any of the other villains? Yeah, maybe the, maybe the NPC is a real snouty place and Lizard's gross snouts. I don't fucking <laughs> right. care, man. Like, put Just a lab coat better. on that motherfucker. Like, right. looks stupid. Yep. Um, and yeah, like, and it's like, it's weird to me that they managed to give, uh, especially Willem Dafoe, obviously, but Alfred Molina gets so much time to breathe and act and stuff. And it's a bit like, do you know what would have given them even more time is if you hadn't felt the need to add... Like, I get why Jamie Foxx is there because they want at least one villain from the Andrew Garfield ties Garfield movies. To it, yeah. And he's the best actor who played a villain in those films, I yes. guess. Um, and, and, and I really, really like... Like, I think that one thing that's worth mentioning here is that, like, in terms of... I mean, I'm obviously, we're not Raimi movie fans. So actually, for me, this is, it was really nice to see a version of Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin that wasn't totally stupid. (laughs) Um, Like, I thought thought he did some excellent acting. I really bought the duality of his personality in this in a way that I never do in the Raimi films, where he's kind of like, hey, Pete, I'm your dad. And also, I'm crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, the, the the actual bonding moments, like when they're on the machine, Holland and Defoe, and Defoe's looking at him like, "Oh my gosh, this is the son I always wanted." He knows what he's doing. He's yeah. loving the sight, and he, you know, he makes the quip about, "Hey, if you ever fancy jumping across dimensions and being an intern, I've got a job for you." Like that was great. I really believe yeah, it. And then, like you really said, really like that. That flip of the switch was fantastic. And I've got to say, never been a fan of MCU Spider Sense. I don't like the fact that MCU thinks they're too cool to acknowledge it, and it's his. Pete Tingle or whatever and they make the joke of it but that execution of Pete being like what the hell is going on here and then walking through the room and the camera's shaky and he's looking at each person like one of you is set that that as much as I dislike how they've handled it in the other films 
that scene was brilliant. Everyone mm. sold it well. The direction, the camera work was great. And the look on Defoe's face when he was like, yeah, it's me. I, I'm, 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 what's up? That was great. The, the spider sense in general was better in this. And the bridge before Doc Ock appeared, they had a nice little moment. Um, there was a bit when they were all on the Statue of Liberty where the three of them stopped and looked around and were all like, oh, and I liked, I really, I thought it was handled really, really well in this. Um, yeah, and like, I, I'm, I'm sad that the teachers aren't in it more. I think that they're no. really funny. Um, and and I miss... I think one thing that both the amazing films did better than any of the other films, and, and people can disagree with me or they want, they're wrong, Flash. Flash is great. He's the arsehole that we know from, from the comic books and the cartoons in, at the start yeah. of that. But he has that amazing moment after Uncle Ben's death where he's kind of teasing Pete not to be a dick, but to give Pete some sense of normality and an escape from it. And Pete switches on him and smashes him against the the, the locker. And... He says, I get it. I, I, I 100% get it. And it gives you that, just one line gives you an insight yeah. into Flash. And then at the end of the film, Flash has got his, his, his skateboard or something that he's got the Spider-Man logo on. And they're kind of friends. And I think they try and do that here, but it doesn't really work. They haven't done the work to get to well, that Well, it doesn't, it doesn't work because they've got no time for it in this. Like, there, yeah. is no, there is no space for that. I also thought it was really bad the way that... Um, when they were like, what's 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 Peter's favourite place in the world? They were all like, Oh, it's the roof of the school that where he's one time. Yeah, like <laughs> like like they've like they had this moment where they were all like, Oh, we haven't given him a favorite place to sit. No. So we've got to have a scene earlier where he sits somewhere and then and then and then MJ could be like, Oh, that's his favourite sitting place in the world. Also, <laughs> yeah. his sitting place is crap compared to the other two of them. Like right. they're all like, I like this skyscraper. Oh no, I like this skyscraper. And he's all like, I like the roof of my school. Like I thought I was stupid. <laughs> but yeah, like so yeah, like there's lots and lots in it that's really good. The interplay yeah. between the three of the three Spider-Mans is is the scene on the scaffolding. Give me three hours of that. Give yeah. me three hours of this them bonding, becoming brothers, comparing each other. Garfield being like, my films are the worst. And yeah, wow, no, was... your films are great. We like your that, films, yeah, all right? That bit where he was being all like, no, oh, I'm a rubbish Spider-Man. And then the other ones being like, no, you're not. You're a really good Spider-Man. It's yeah, not your fault. The... As much as I, I, I like, I dislike the banter. I loved the little things that I loved. Toby delivering the "You're amazing." He knows it's a bad line. We know it's a bad line, but it's a funny, tongue-in-cheek wink at the audience. Yeah, I loved the, it. I loved. I loved the other two getting so excited for Holland's that he's in the Avengers, but having no concept of what the Avengers is. And yeah, I really. Like, Are you in a band? That's great. Yeah, and like uh, the him cracking his back. That was yeah. so good. Like those little moments. I really liked when they were working in the lab together. I thought that, yeah. that was really, really cool. Um, and like, yeah, like I really liked the way that they created a dynamic between the three of them by emphasizing their differences. Like, yeah. uh, like Toby's got this kind of cool youth pastor vibe going on where he's all like, oh, you know, I'm pretty, <laughs> he's like an affable, nice guy who's a bit worn down by a long, difficult life. Andrew yeah. Garfield's Spider-Man's just sad. Um, and I really appreciate it. And like, maybe killed through. some people. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, basically and, become his universe's Ronin. <laughs> yeah. And he's just miserable as shit. And then obviously we've got, we've got this universe's version. Um, I loved that scene on the, on the school roof where the two of them came to talk to him. I thought that was, absolutely excellent the three of them yeah. played off each other really well what i quite like about that is it, once again as you said they all have differences and what i like is that 
the MCU Spider-Man is maybe a person who, even though he's eventually going to do the right things, doesn't do them of his... It's not his choice, if that yeah. makes sense. He's a, whereas, whereas the others are quite active, he's a passive protagonist. So a lot of the time in all of these films, Tony's told him what he needs to do and then he realizes. Yeah. Or, or Doctor Strange tells him what to do. Doctor Strange tells him what to do. And so even with this, like you said, it was a great moment, but it made you realize those two came to the realization themselves. They had been told those words and it was only once something tragic happened, they had the meaning to understand and go out and act on them. But even after he had give, he'd been given that tragic moment, Pete was like... Yeah, this is your mess. I don't care anymore. I don't, I don't care. get he it. He had, yeah, he had to have two old versions of himself say, "Dude, this is this is what we do. We lose mm. people, and it's horrible, but we have to be the people that make something right." Yeah, and I loved the inspect. And the, in terms of like, it was so because the casting in the amazing films was always brilliant. It yeah. was always great, and it was really nice to see that vindicated. To see a version of Andrew Garfield Spider Man that was just amazing, and yeah. a version of Jamie Foxx Electro that was fantastic like yeah. I really liked him I really One liked him, about like, Jamie Electro, him just right? like sit- I love Jamie Foxx Electro I, I even like the goofy stupid I become a blue electric man Electro the only thing I don't like and I've never liked which they cover over into this film is his motivation is one of the weakest his whole you don't see me Spider-Man is the only person in the entire city that sees you. He saves your life. He says to you personally, you're my eyes and ears on the street. And then when you become Electro, rather than punch you in the face, he tries to talk you down. He tries to help you. He says, I'm your friend. I remember you, Max. Let's calm down. Let's do this together. So that motivation never stuck for me. And then I don't know if you caught it, but in this film, when Pete depowers him, he says, you never saw me. He still has that hang up. Mm. he's trying to help you now you've crossed over to another dimension and he's trying to help you like so for me it's just it's the weakest motivation it's not needed it's the motivation of him having power again is enough just be yeah. like he's happy to get this new surge of power he's cool he feels different he wants to see what he can do in this world that's enough of a motivation one thing that i thought was really interesting that was really i really and it kind of hints at it with um with uh, his line with Jamie Foxx's line about when he when when Andrew Garfield takes his mask off and he's all like, "Man, I thought you might be I black." Be black. Um, <laughs> and 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 he's all like, "Oh well, maybe there's a black Spider-Man out there." I was kind of expecting. I think that what might have balanced this out a bit would have been Miles. So like, I think got, the problem is where would you get him from? Because MCU Miles is still thirteen. Just drag him in from another universe. That's the thing is that like I think that like. You've so you've got like, and I think that even with the villains, it might have made sense to drag in a villain from a whole new world we've never seen before. Do you know what I mean? To be like, to be fair, to be fair, MCU Prowler has already been established. Yeah, so you've got him from the old film. Like by this point in time, he should be powered up. I think that like on a meta, on a meta kind of level, it was really interesting seeing the old version of Spider-Man meet the new version of Spider-Man. Spider-Man, but I think maybe a glimpse of the future version of Spider-Man would have been interesting there. Even do you remember, if he was do you remember the Macaulay Culkin film Page Master? Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember, it's he enters a he enters a book, and when he <laughs> enters the book, he becomes animated. And so some people were saying you should get MC, you should get Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. you see, you see, well, you see him being dragged from the animated world, but then when he appears in the MCU, he's live action. Because the thing is, that guy who plays him in real life looks like Miles Bros as well. Yeah, that'd be. So and that's the thing him. is that, like, I think I would have liked. Holland are actually friends as well. It's a crazy thing. 
Yeah, and 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 in terms of the in terms of the other Spider Mans, one thing I thought was, I know that like like I, in my screening, the uh, the Toby and Andrew arriving got a really good response. Yeah, um, well, people actually cheered and were screaming at Martin like, they were clapping and everything. I thought it was really boring the way they chose to introduce them. Like, oh look, they came in through a hole, and like the <laughs> fact that they did it twice. Like, yeah. I felt like there was a real opportunity there to have like. One of them swinging and save somebody or something dynamic. Yeah. And but you know what you know what was funny for me was that so the whole world knows that Pete Spidey, or at least the whole world knows that now Spidey has done something. When we see Andrew Garfield, there seems to be no one bothering him. He's just hanging out in an alleyway waiting for something to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, Toby at least he's wearing his dad outfit, so it's no surprise no one's bothering him. Well he's wearing well, his Andrew, dad outfit. Like, Go on. Yeah, well, and also he's wearing his dad outfit, and he's like, "I've been looking for for your universe's Peter for the last couple of days." Whereas yeah. Andrew Garfield's version is just all like, "I've just been running around in my suit, guys. Like, I got no <laughs> idea what to do." Um, yeah, and I thought that, like, I thought that there was the opportunity, like, the introduction of the villains, especially Doc Ock, was really like dynamic and like, yeah. like you know what I mean? And like, you had like hints. Who is it going to be? And 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 yeah. it was just. That's and, it. And then, no, you've you've hundred percent hit the head, uh, nail on the head because you could have had a robberies happening at that time in the city, and you see a silhouette of a Spider Man coming to save the person. Yeah, so we assume it's Tom, but no, it's Andrew this time. Or you know, there's a robber running from from uh, a Seven Eleven, and he runs down the street, and someone trips him up like super quick. How did the guy have the reflexes to do that? And the camera pans up. It's Toby. You know, you, yeah. you could have introduced him in that same way. Yeah, and I thought it was funny that there was no kind of like no hint of them before they appeared. They just kind of drop in through the hole. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was kind of odd. Um, but I had so much time for the dynamics between the three of them. And I thought all three performances were brilliant. And I did love Andrew and Toby initially webbing each other up and kind of yeah. sizing each other like, you're a clone? What yeah, is this? And then, What's going on here? And then they have kind of a little giggle at each other. They're both like, hey, <laughs> look at Sam, yeah, they're right. Um, I thought that was really, really neat. Like, I loved the bit in the lab where Ned was all like Peter and they were all answering. I thought it was really yep. funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much everything. I love the, the discussion because I had f- kind of forgotten about it until it mentioned. But when Maguire looks at them and he's like, why do you guys need web shooters? And they're like, why wouldn't we? Yeah. He reveals his arm and they're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, and then later on, they're on top of the statue and they're talking about it and they're being all like, well, where does it does it come out of your butt? Like, I thought that was, <laughs> that was, and then when he was all like, I, I, have you ever had like a blockage? And he was all like, yeah, but it was like an existential crisis thing. And and Andrew Garfield's version is all like, oh, mate, don't, don't, even, don't even get me started with existential <laughs> crises. Like, I thought that stuff was all really, really brilliant. In fact, yeah. I kind of wish if you're going to, dump everything from the first two Spider-Man films and put those guys in it. I do wish they were in it more. I wish that we had more yeah. time with the three of them. Um, you know, it's funny that it's, it's, a, it's a, it's not even really a complaint I have. I agree with people that are saying it. I can take it or leave it. One thing people are saying is interesting is when they do the whole, um, so what have you guys been up to? Cause you're over old, older than me. What have you been up to since you were my age? And they basically give us, they fill in the universes since Spider-Man three and since amazing two. One thing a lot of people said, it's interesting how seemingly neither of them seems to have fought that many significant villains. Like when, when Peter talks about what they've been through, he's been through, they haven't been through that much. And it might yeah. be a thing of Feige doesn't want to mention certain characters because he's planning to use them. I don't know. But it does seem weird. They're both like in their 40s now and not, not really had any significant events since the last time we saw them. They've both had relationship problems and 
and maybe Garfield yeah, has killed I thought some that, like, burglars, but they've not faced anyone big. Neither one of them has met Craven. Like, neither one of them has... It's just weird. Mm. Yeah, and I thought it would have been a really easy way to just either throw in somebody you're not going to use. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I thought I thought this guy with the weird scorpion tail. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, alternatively, hint at somebody you are... Be all like, I thought this big fat crime boss. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, something just something you either either a hint of the future or a joke about something that you're not even even they, hey you know the craziest thing that happened to me i thought a clone of myself and you know what that would be a perfect opportunity to do their favorite joke and be all like i fought a guy who had a fishbowl in his head because comic costumes are stupid yeah and, uh, you know what i mean like they could have they could have they could have done that they love that joke yeah. Um, in fairness, that joke wasn't in this film. I appreciated that. It wasn't. Nobody, it was the Otto Octavius moment, which was like, aren't comic book names stupid? I mean, comic book names are stupid. They are though, stupid. So, but you've like, lived, they've um, lived in that universe for long enough for that not to be out of the blue. Yeah, like that lady is called Pepper Potts and they all just accept that. Right? But somehow, but somehow Otto Octavius is stupid. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, uh, yeah, and like, I thought that, so we, we did the action, but like in terms of like actually talking about the scenes, I quite liked the bridge one. I thought it was all right. I liked how okay. dynamic. I liked how dynamic his use of his webs was, like yeah. when he was sliding under things and grabbing onto things and stuff. Um, I thought it had a clear peril to it with the lady in the car, which I thought was useful. I really, really liked that moment where he accidentally took control of the of the of the like the that, like the sequence came to an end. That's what took it took me out of it. That oh, I see. don't think I didn't think they knew how to resolve the tension so it's just like oh i'm in control of this and yeah it's a clever use of the nanobot technology and it is octopus being hoisted by his own petard but it also just felt like uh, i don't know it was a bit easy you see i liked the pacing there i thought it was really interesting how it came to a really abrupt start because it allowed them to maintain doc ock's threatening level without him having to get like stupid but like without without him having to get beaten by peter suddenly for no reason it was like and i really liked the way that it just snapped and peter was just suddenly like hey look I can, you know what's interesting now? I, don't I, know you, I don't know if you noticed this when the three peters are with each other there does seem to be a sense of oh yeah you're totally me at a different age whereas when doc ock first takes pete's mask off he's like you're not peter parker and not even like you're too young he looks at him like he's a completely different person so it's like mm. I, they never really resolve it, but it's like, do they all just look like older and younger versions of the same person to everyone? Or do they look like, they look like to us, like three just bland white guys? I don't know. White dudes. Yeah. Like, it's it's um, never really resolved. When they're together, you definitely get the sense that they feel like they're looking at themselves. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't really know. Like, yeah. and I mean, like, I guess, it, don't get me wrong, it makes sense for the context of that scene. Doc needs yeah. to be shocked by the fact that that's a Spider-Man costume, but not his Peter. But yeah, it just felt like there were a few inconsistencies like that in the film. Enough for me to brush over. Uh, I thought the action scene in Happy's apartment was good. It was a little dark, but yeah. I enjoyed. I'm um, actually going to say that might be. It wasn't the best directed, but in terms of how visceral it was. Yeah. Jeez, like him getting uh, suplexed through like floors, and they were just beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, and it was interesting seeing Spider-Man fight somebody of, of a level of power where he could kind of let loose a bit and like bits like the backflip and then grabbing with the webs and slamming and stuff. There, there was there was some really there was some really cool little action moments in there yeah. that I really that I really enjoyed. Uh the one where he fought Electro and Sandman and the in the dark forest with with this <laughs> pylons was awful. Yep. I was just like I just I just couldn't see what the fuck was going on at all. And it was and it was boring. Yeah. Um and uh what else have we got? 
are there any more? Oh, well, obviously there's the ending yeah. on the statue, um, which I thought veered between those two extremes where there were yeah. bits of it where I was all like, that's a lot of CG. I don't really get what's going on. But there were moments when the three of them got in sync and jumped off the statue and swung around together. That was really good. Really yeah. liked that. It was. Thought, and and someone then, has pointed out, you know, their whole thing is when, when Holland is like, get your shit together. And they're like, we've never been in a team. Well, yeah. Maguire has worked with a new goblin. So that's not true. And I'm sure Garfield is probably like, well, Garfield, I don't know, at least he's, he worked with Gwen Stacy. So the whole thing of like, we're loners, we don't know how to communicate with other people. It was like, I get it. I get you want to be him like, I'm in the Avengers, but it's like, it's a stupid thing. I don't know. I thought, I, like, I thought that that spoke to, like, like you were saying earlier on, that Spider-Man's generally not a team guess, player in yeah. terms of other superheroes. Like, guess, but just um, the concept of like, what? Me work with other people? Me, I'm fine, difficult. It just And they also... I felt like they brushed over, like they were a bit like, they kind of, they mentioned Harry in Osborne's dialogue, but I was a bit like, yeah, you want to steer right clear of fucking James Franco here, don't you? Like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I was surprised they weren't all like, yeah, Harry was a real fucking dickhead. We all hate him. <laughs> we definitely Yeah, it's also funny that, that Andrew Garfield, like, doesn't seem to acknowledge the presence of the goblin at all, because he has a goblin. Yeah, right. He's got his yeah. own goblin and Norman yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and, Norman's in and, that universe, so he should recognise him in some... F- yeah, so that was a bit funny. But I guess maybe they just didn't want to add more complicated mess to it. Well, yeah, and when and when Andrew Garfield's like, uh, it was Gwen, Gwen, my... And, and Peter, uh, Toby's not like, oh, I knew Gwen. I have a Gwen, yeah. I flirted with her to make MJ jealous. Gwen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought that was interesting. Um, Do we I liked... want to talk about Venom? Uh, you can if you want. I've... Uh, I've got very little to say about that. Well, I love Tom Hardy, and I was very excited to hear he was going to be Venom, but his films are terrible. His cameo <laughs> in this is pointless, and I would be excited if I thought they were going to go somewhere with the symbiote being in the MCU. I have a feeling they won't. I really hope they... I have a feeling, because what I would like to... I would like to see them cast another actor, maybe even an African-American actor, or an Asian actor, or a female actor, as the MCU's villain, but I have a feeling if we see it, all that's going to happen in the symbiote is that eventually it will end up on Tom Holland. He'll be a dick for half a film and then he'll get, he'll destroy it. Yeah. I don't really, I, 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 I don't know. I don't think Venom's as good as a lot of people do. I think I'm with Sam Raimi on that one. I like like Venom a lot when he plays off Spidey. I don't like him as an anti-hero. I think it's boring, but what would be cool is if, if they do go the route, I think they're going to go and the symbiote ends up, on Tom Holland, I think it would be cool if he needs help and he can't figure it out and he goes to see someone and they're like, this is beyond the realms of my expertise, but you know who could help you? Reed Richards. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. Um, I thought that, uh, I thought that like, I, I quite like Tom Hardy's first Venom film. I haven't even bothered to watch the second one, but I thought the first one was okay. Um, but I just, I like, I thought I, I thought that scene was stupid. Like I was like, I don't care. Why is he in a different place to all the other people who've been teleported into the world? Yeah. Why is he there when the explicit fucking? Um, I mean, the rules the rules was... were all over the place because I think one of the villains didn't know. Yeah. That so Peter Electro, was Electro didn't yeah. know that Peter was Spidey. Yeah. Um, it's established in this film he thought he was a black guy so he why, should be there why throw in a rule like it's all the people who know that Peter Spider-Man if you're not even going to bother to stick to that yeah. rule in this film like yeah. it just feel like it's just feel like it's people who dis- and it's and, and, and I mean also it's one, one thing that I thought was a bit and I might need to re- go, go back and rewatch 
Amazing 2. But was Electro about to die? Because I thought he was just incapacitated. So that whole thing of they were all at the moment of death, I don't think he was. I think he was just no, incapacitated. He got run no over, MJs, no Aunt Mays, none of, no. No, nobody else yeah. who knows about Peter comes I was through. At least, I was at least thinking that they'd do a really nice post credit scene, a bit similar to how we see Peter B. Parker's uh, arc get wrapped up in Spider-Verse, where maybe yeah. you see Pete just knocks on the door and he comes home and he hugs Mary Jane in, in the, in the R- R- Raimi universe. You know, and or, or maybe you then see Garfield and he's at Gwen Stacy's gravesite and he kind of, he lets it go and he moves forward. He puts the flowers down and he can go on with a smile on his face. I was hoping we'd see that. I think that would have been a much better post-credit sequence than, hey, remember Venom, he's here too. <laughs> um, and I also thought it was really interesting that they didn't seem to know how to write that Venom because it did feel like the character from Tom Hardy's movies anyway. No, yeah. And in fact, I did like I it incorrect. he's an idiot though. <laughs> But I was incorrect because, in fact, that is the point where they use their favourite joke because he's being like, wait, hold on a minute. There was a big green guy. Yep. Comic books are crazy. Yeah, so, Says the uh, guy who has an alien symbiote attached to it. Like, it's just... He's got, he's got big, black like, alien goo monsters. <laughs> and he's all like, whoa, crazy comic books. Yeah, like, that was... Um, uh, so, yeah, that was... I thought it was stupid. Um, I... Yeah, so what... Have, oh, I guess we haven't covered the big death the big dying that happens in the middle i have um, very conflicting emotional feelings about that it uh, gave us some great a... sorry go on, you go first yeah i thought it was a very good scene yeah. i thought it was well written and well acted the performances were really really good and i liked that we finally hear the line yes at this at this point in the third film i thought that was a really interesting take on it i don't feel like they were planning for this to be kind of a stealth origin for Spider-Man for the whole time. I don't feel like we've had that set up over the last two films no. at all. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure Homecoming implies that Uncle Ben's told... Like, do you know what I mean? I, I can't yeah, really because, because they don't um, want to but, say it, what Peter says is, I believe if you're in a position to help people and you don't do it, you're the reason the bad things happen. He says that to, to Tony Stark. So, yes, we already, already, we already smart, heard some form it? of it. Yeah, exactly. And the thing for me, so my major problem with it, like you said, it was really well acted, well delivered. I think in general, it really adds to just that tragedy of his life. He's the nicest person on the planet. Mm. And he just keeps losing all the people he, he cares about. He lost his parents when he was really young. Maybe he lost his parents. Who knows? I think, I bl- yeah, I mean, maybe he never had any parents. We don't we'll, know anything we'll, about We'll get into story. it at some point, but I believe, it's my personal theory, I believe the MCU subscribes to Trouble, the old Marvel comic book where May is his mum. That's just the feeling I have. But, you know, in either way, in either way now, he's lost his parents. He's lost his father figure. He just keeps losing people. He had Tony, he lost him too. And this, that adds I, to I believe his to parents were uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. spies who had a secret lab in a uh, underground New York subway car. Yes, yeah, so you needed unique coins to put in <laughs> Special but, coins. But the thing is, for me, the, the main problem I have with this is you don't hire... Oscar winner uh, Marissa Tomei and have her just be hot for three films and have her hit on by every man in the universe and then be like oh we're going to give you a great dramatic scene that tests your range but you die it's just what a waste that's what she's been literally in the first film Tony hits on her and then the guy at the bodega makes a joke about how hot she is in Spanish and in the second film Happy hits on her and then she dies like what a way and the thing Um, how that character has been used in the past she's so powerful and she represents so much and if you want to look at a recent example 
the way the games use her is fantastic. You know, she yeah, reinforces and, and... everything about what makes Pete great and what he believes in. He believes in the goodness of people and in our ability to be good and our ability to help and save each other. And she yeah, really and, reinforces that. And that stuff's all kind of missing here. Um, I Yeah, so like, I, I liked, I did think that this one ended in a really grim place. Like it was yeah. miserable. Yeah. Like the end was really sad. Um, and it was a strange choice for me. I, I understand them wanting to put him in a position where you're all like, he's so, so he no longer has the support of all the other superheroes. He lives in a shitty flat. He's got a regular looking Spider-Man costume. Which I, I, I like though, because I quite, felt, um, I quite felt that that was influenced by having met his two brothers. And he's yeah, now got I really, that, yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, like he designed himself a costume that looked like theirs because uh, almost like he looked at them and been all like, hey, my Spider-Man costume's not very much like their Spider-Man costumes. I yeah. should make one that's more <laughs> like theirs. And I liked that. I thought that was really cool. Um, yes, but uh, but I do think that I will feel the loss of the stuff that he loses because of that kind of weird reset thing that's happened. Yeah. Um, like, I'll miss Ned and MJ a lot. Still don't really uh, understand in... the reset because, I mean... No, well, I mean, and I guess let's get into that. So let's do let's do nerd problems with the way that the film works. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so the... So the people getting drawn in from other universes makes no sense, right? No. Like we've already covered that. Have you spotted yeah, who was in the sky at the end? I, got, I saw somebody with, I think, Scorpion's tail. I think people um, said you can see Scorpion, Craven, and then someone that could be the chameleon. He kind of has the I same mean, outline as the animated series, but that could also be me. It's such a generic I mean, silhouette. So. I mean, they've used a lot of spider-man's good villains already haven't they yeah. so i'm not like uh, i'm not that i to be honest, i do think that also this one i worry that this neuters out the possibility of us getting an mcu version of some of the villains like are we not going to get an mcu dark arc now because we've already had do you know what yeah. i mean like are yeah. we not going to get are we not going to get an mcu norman osborne because that that would bother me i suppose well, i mean what yeah. really baffled me was him saying, I went to Oscorp and there's nothing there. And it's like, really? There's no MCU normals? But that seems like a totally missed opportunity. Yeah, like, it w- what would have made more sense if he'd been all like, I tried to find, like, I, I like the version of me from this world is X. Like, yeah. oh, he's he's he does something different. He's a successful scientist. He's yeah. not bothered about money. Something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some sort of difference between them but the idea that he was just all like oh Norman Osborn doesn't exist here and I was like oh well awesome so <laughs> yeah cool um I th- and I th- yeah I think like- that's one of the things I've always liked about Spider-Man is it's almost this thing where like fate he in every in pretty much every conceivable universe he ends up being Spider-Man he ends up being in a in a this back and forth with normal with Norman with all the people yeah you know even when in the universe where he might be a mutant or he might be this or he's a wrestler and blah blah, blah he's he, he's kept being even on all the what ifs that's the one constant a lot of superheroes have completely varying degrees of throughout all the universes they're this and they're that but I, that's one thing I like about Spider Man is like Peter just unfortunately seems to be always drawn to this tragedy those people are always there so yeah it was sad that for some reason MCU just like we're not gonna have any of those things well and like Norman's his joker like you yeah. can't he is, he is they are a binary opposition they yeah. belong in conflict with each other yeah. and you get those moments uh, like in Return of the Goblin where they sit down together and go actually we've got a lot in common haven't we that must be why it's so difficult for us and like 
not having that i think is 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 bad um and and then yeah you get into the logistics of the reset like how did Ned and MJ meet now? I, like Happy was, Happy I'm was so amazing. Glad you, I'm so glad you said that because the whole reason they even became friends is because they both loved Peter. Like, as we saw, yeah. they sat on completely different sides of the class. Ned thought she was a freak. She thought he was one of the mainstream kids she didn't care about. It's, without Peter, how would they have become friends? Yeah, exactly. For and a second, what... I don't know if you thought this. I, I think a lot of people in the audience, when Pete first walks in, he thought when Ned went past him... Ned and MJ were going to be together, and that would be like this. Yeah, and it—that's it, how it looks for a second. But then obviously, they're just—they're just good friends. But like, and I know that this is going to be like—it's going to be like my questions about Loki and <laughs> Endgame. In that we're not going to get the answers, no. and it's just what works for the cinema for the for the dramatic tension of this film. But like, how do their memories of meeting work? How like yeah. Happy only met May because of Peter. Yeah, so. How does he now have memories of a relationship with like what does he think happened? Yeah, like because, well he said I know her through Spider-Man, so it's like did, did What do you mean? Did she still remember, but she didn't know Spider-Man was her nephew? Was he just helping out at the at the shelter, but no one knew he was really I don't know what's going on. Yeah, like are there pictures of him? What about all his medical records? Does like, exactly, does anyone know he exists? How did he get the apartment? Does he have any ID? Does he have a bank account? Like what's going on? And there? also, I really feel like I get him being like, Oh well, I can't just go to regular people and go, Hey, I'm Peter Parker. I but like I really feel like he could very easily have gone back to Doctor Strange at the end and been like, Hey mate, like you yeah. deal with some pretty wild shit. I'm going to tell you a little story. Yeah. Um, and I, well, he could have asked Doctor Strange to give him some sort of information that he could then that use he could, oh, yeah, to go. Only he would know. To prove exactly. That he, yeah. yeah, like, and, but he, but like, literally, of, it would have like, taken I, five seconds for Doctor Strange to be like, uh, the love of my life was Christine. I was in a car accident and that's how I became Doctor Strange. Cool. I'll tell you that once this, you reset. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Give him your watch. Yeah. And then and then you could and then you could take the watch and he could be all like, hey, I've got your watch because you gave it to me. Do you know what I mean? Just like something yeah. like that. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And I know and I know that by now with the MCU we should really be passed. Like I, I, I know, spent a but lot it's of time... it's such a big thing to just be like, hey guys, there's rules. Don't worry about them. We're just gonna yeah, Hey guys, everybody it. in the world has forgotten Peter. Yeah. Like but like how? Yeah. How does that? But but I know that that's not the point, and that's not going to be the yeah. point. So I, I I I know that I need to let go of that, but it's difficult for me. Also, because... I quite like that they finally addressed that MJ is MJ because they never yeah, acknowledged her they surname gave, they gave a in Watson, the past few like... Yeah, and I was just like, so he's just coincidentally met another girl called MJ. But I quite like that they're like. Oh no no, she's Watson, but he's not met Mary Jane in this universe. That's she's this Mary Jane. So I like that they finally were like, yeah, she's MJ. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, like um, and but she's wearing her necklace. And mm. she's wearing the necklace. And where, where does she think she got that from? Where did she get it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that stuff I found a bit like. I know, I know. Like, like I said, so like I an Endgame when in Endgame when he took his mask off for no reason and. Captain Marvel saw him and he said, "Hey, I'm Peter Parker." What happened in that moment? Did she just see a blank face? Did she a, did she see a blurred out face? Did she hear does a beat name? That, does her memory of that not have him taking the mask off anymore? Exactly. Like, like I don't. <laughs> does she just have moments where she didn't have the gauntlet and then she had the gauntlet and she can't remember how she got it? Well, yeah, because like, but the, the implication seems to be that everybody still knows who Spider Man is. Yeah. So what happened? What happened to everyone who saw 
unmask Peter standing next to Tony as he died. Did they not see anything? Did they just see Pepper and he's greyed out? Is it a yeah. eternal sunshine type thing where well, I don't, what's is, happening? I'd, I'd love it if they did a century style plot. If we if we went with if in the next film we had MJ in the background investigating, being all like, "There is stuff missing here. I'm yeah. confused." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't believe what, that. At what all. do the high school that... pictures look like in the, yeah. in the in the cabinet now? Is he greyed out in them? Can people not see? It? How does the magic work? What happened to all the copies of Flash's book? Yep. Like, like what happens? Does Flash remember writing a book? Mm-hmm. Like, just like it, it's just too much. It's, I, all, I, it's all Jane Joe Jenner Jameson has been concerned about for the past few months. Yeah, so what's he, he been doing? So what's he been doing now? Um, does he, does he oh, remember actually, that anger he felt? Like, what, what's going on there? <laughs> we missed an action scene. It was one that I liked. It was the, the Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange, obviously. Um, I thought that was yes. okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, so I thought I, I, it didn't work for me because it's like we've seen much cleverer uses and much more visually appealing uses of, of Strange's powers, especially him versus Thanos. I think they're going to have a hard time topping that even in his own films. But what I did like about yeah. it was you and I would be like, oh, I'm going to die in this mirror universe. What do we do? And Peter was like, this is just geometry. I could do geometry in my sleep. I quite liked Ooh, that. That was mouse. a very, yeah. yeah, Spider-Man solution to that problem. I liked that. But yeah, generally the whole, oh, look, there's seven trains now. I've seen it. They've seen it in a yeah. minute. It's away. Um, I liked the bit where he was in the street and Strange was using the portals to fuck with his webs. And then his spider sense meant that he could still hide the box <laughs> from him even when he was unconscious. Yeah. And I liked Peter's response where he was all like, whoa, this is so cool. And was like enjoying being in the Well, I, well I, I liked when he got back in his body. He went, that's the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. But don't do that again. Yeah. Really yeah. It's like a bit of a darker side to him. And him like swimming back towards him, but like, <laughs> yeah. Ah, get, yeah, like get back in my back of my body. I like that. Um, but yeah, like that. Like I, I, one thing I appreciated was that it wasn't like it didn't feel like one of those films where they were like, okay, it's been twenty minutes. There must be another action scene. Yeah. Like there were stretches of it which didn't have any action stuff, and then there were stretches of it that were very action packed. Yeah. And I liked that balance. I, a I lot. think quite a few people have said it. That the, the, where MCU as a franchise differs from pretty much every other fran- action franchise or action film in general is you have to have some dialogue in action films so you can get to the big fight scene. And MCU is kind of the opposite, where because MCU and the comics they're based on are so centered on who are these people, it's all about their relationships to each other. And then, oh yeah, maybe we should have some people punch each other. So yeah, you have to get through the action scenes to get to the dialogue. And I felt this was one of the best kind of combinations of that. It actually felt like, I don't really care about a lot of the punching stuff. I like what's happening with the people. I loved, mm. I loved Pete just being happy with MJ and being like, I, could, I just want to do this. I just want to hang out with you and not be yeah. Spider-Man. I loved that. I loved Ned finding out he's got magic. And that's really sad now that the, the, the thing's been reset, that he won't have magic anymore. I loved Ned's grandma. Um, well, won't he? Loved... Does he remember meeting Doctor Strange? Right. Does he remember having the <laughs> ring? Does he remember all of that, but just with a weird blank-faced, muffled-voiced yeah. thing in the back? Like, like, how would you possibly remember events that were so directly centred on him knowing that piece of Especially like, because Pete and Ned, I think, have been, like, childhood friends. They've lived, they've been neighbours forever, so yeah, did none of like, them. I, that's all... But I loved those human moments. I really, really loved the Statue of Liberty brothers bonding. I loved their goodbye. I loved 
the older mm. two looking at him and saying, he's got this. He's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I Toby... Toby stopping him from smashing the glider down. I thought yeah. it was a really great scene. And I really, in terms of Marvel Quippy Quip, I really appreciated that they didn't even need any dialogue there. They yeah. didn't even have like a, a, a line from him. Yeah, Toby just, just grabbed look, it and, and it's like, you know looked him in the eye. The yeah. Do, yeah. Um, I really, like, one thing that, like, I felt like it was a bit, hey, memes heavy. Like, I'm something of a scientist, <laughs> scientist myself. myself. And and the and the scene where they all pointed at each other, yeah. I was a bit like, this is a bit weird, isn't yeah. it? Like, this is a bit strange that yeah. we're doing this now. It's almost um, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Although I will yeah, say, so, it got one of the best reactions in the whole. Like, the cinema lost it when he said that. Like, it wasn't even he didn't have, he didn't even finish the sentence. The minute the camera cut to him and he said, "I'm," we all knew what he was going to say, and everyone. <laughs> fell over themselves so you know what it's very obvious but the thing is essentially this movie is fan service the movie all the villains yeah. you like they're in it all the stupid memes you like they're in it you didn't like that costume we'll change it you did like this costume it's there it's all those moments are there you know i mean even when otto and and toby are reunited he says how are you doing and toby thinks for herself and says trying to do better which is a line from their first meeting yeah so they're all the it's just fan service the movie some of the dialogue doesn't even make sense it doesn't really work in the context but marvel is saying look you stuck with us for 10 years you love all this stupid shit we might not even get it but if you love it here it is enjoy it so yeah i, I was able to look over the meme because it's like that's what this film is I liked. Um, I I I quite liked. I liked the joke, the gags about about um, about the lizard and 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 Jamie Fox being all like. I, I but yeah, he was all like, I could help you give you a transformation. He's like, but by turning him into a fucking lizard, man. Like, yeah, no, like I thought that was, I thought that was really funny. Um, and in fact, like one thing that I think I haven't seen a lot of people mention that I thought was really good was the general interplay between all the characters when they were in the prison underneath the sanctum. Yeah. Like when they were in those boxes and you removed the possibility of any punching and they were just talking to each other, I thought that was really good. Like the yeah. way that they played off each other and talked, I really appreciated. Uh, I really liked the scene where Otto got his chip put in his neck. Um, I thought that was really cool. And yeah. that then he came and helped them out in the final battle. I have questions about, I understand how they got to the Statue of Liberty. because How did you get there? I, I have questions about how everybody else got across the water to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Like obviously the lizard swam. Yeah. The Sandman turned into a big cloud of sand. We know that. Electric and Electric flu, yeah. But Dark Ark's just kind of there. It's a bit yeah. like, well, what did, like, did you swim? Especially because the like, last time he was near water, it didn't go so good. Yeah, exactly. Like, those, <laughs> those silly metal arms are heavy, aren't they? Um, yeah, I thought that this also, like, it had a couple too many endings. Yeah. Like, so it had, like, the ending where he said goodbye, and then it had the ending where he went to see Happy at the Grave, and yeah. the ending where he was moving into his new apartment. I feel like maybe there was a fourth one. Um, well, we, we got Venom, didn't we? So... Oh. Um, and yeah, but it was it was a bit like I feel like maybe picking one of those scenes would have been more powerful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, but I think like uh, it's difficult because overall, I enjoyed it and it was a good film. Yeah, but I d- yeah, I did like was... I would say even though I thought the MJ scene was really dragged out, and I get I guess I get why it would be. You know, there's the anguish of I really love you and I want you in my life again, and I think they went a bit too long. But I did like the moment where. He was going to say who he was. 
And then he saw the mark on her head and realized, God, every time oh, around yeah, these people, they get hurt. And I, I, that's I the really other loved ending. It. Yeah, I loved that. He goes to he, the coffee shop. He goes and he actually, because as I said, in a lot of these films, he's just done the selfish thing. He's eventually done the good thing in the end. But in this scene, he finally had that realization. He was like, no, I'm not good for these people. doesn't matter how much I yeah. love them. They will get hurt. May got hurt because she wanted me to be okay. I can't put these people in that situation again. So I, yeah, as you said, it's depressing as hell, but it's very Spider-Man. That's, that's what he does. He sacrifices that life to make sure everyone else is okay. I feel like there were probably more little moments. Oh, um, um, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man catching Mary Jane. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, people caught it from the trailer, but it was just great. And what really sold it was that look. He, man, Garfield was so damn good. Him with the two. Yeah. In fairness, Andrew Garfield was so good in this. Like he was the best of the three of them probably Um, like this is and this is the thing i've been saying and a lot of people are going to say that it's revisionist history it's not if you go back and listen to our episode with rosie knight where we're pitching our movies when i pitched secret wars i said andrew garfield is my spider-man and i said he's just not been given the script to show what he's capable of he was this wasn't even the most amazing script in the world but it showed you with better dialogue what he can do He's so charismatic. Yeah, really did. He loves that character. He lives that character. You give him the material, he just shines on screen. And it really vindicated his casting as Spider-Man yes. and Jamie Foxx's casting as Electro yeah. by giving them another chance to have to like rework those characters. So I thought 100%. that was really good. Um, yeah, and and like, oh, and, and I guess the only other thing is the the post credits Doctor Strange trailer. How did you feel about that? Oh, he's a character that you see who I really struggle to care about. I'm sorry. Um, it's probably going to be all the non-Doctor Strange stuff in this film that makes me like it. I'll like seeing Wonder again. I'll like that we're probably going to get Kang. Yeah. I'll like that hopefully, I hope, I'm not 100%, I'm not, you know, going to lean too much into it because I don't trust Marvel. It would be great to see like him meet Nazi Captain America. Not Maybe Nazi, Nazi Captain America. That's a terrible character. But, you know, to see the weird versions of, of MCU characters in other yeah. universes. My only worry is, it looks like the villain in this is the Doctor Strange from What If? And it's like, if that's the best you can do, come on. I want to see weird stuff. I want to see Spider Monkey. I want to see... If, if you have the opportunity, get weird with this. I really hope they get weird. Especially because you've got Raimi. I want to see some body horror stuff and weird variations of all the heroes. That's interesting. I kind of assumed that him and evil bad Doctor Strange from What If were going to team up. It was like, a, oh, you're going to that. Yeah, we're going to have to get his, We're going to have to get the help from from Doctor Strange who ate all those tentacle monsters. Um, I like. Yeah, I, I would say I'm the same. I was really excited to see Shuma Gorath um, and Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I yeah. really like. Look, I really his, like his, Wanda. His, you know, it's a weird thing. It's a very weird complaint. I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's very talented. The thing about Strange is I've always, in my head, in the comics, and I'm sure in the animated series, I could be wrong about this, but I've always believed he had an English accent. So Mm. when they cast him, they're like, oh, chef's kiss. Then they gave him the most generic American accent ever and made him this douchebag. And I just, I feel like for a guy who's as talented as he is, that's a real waste of a, of a direction to go in the character so I've never really cared about him like I said in Endgame he's incredible and if yeah, they do is, more stuff brilliant. like that in this film where he's really imaginative and he's using the, the amulet in really powerful ways I'll be all over it but yeah like I said in general he's not a character I'm super enthused about but I'm gonna watch it anyway so why am I complaining that was another good gag in this when MJ found a uh, box of Just For Men in his, <laughs> in his, in his basement can I we talk that was about really his funny. wig 
because I saw this in IMAX and it makes his wig super noticeable. Like, dude, that's not your hair even a little bit. Yeah, why is, but why don't they just, why doesn't this version of Doctor Strange just have Benedict Cumberbatch's hair? Exactly, just like, put a streak in it. It's really weird. It is so noticeable. And it's also, it's really weird that with the absolute, with the constant, oh, we can't use the, let's have a joke about that. Why is the thing that they've really gone all in on is, is Dr. Strange's hair and beard? Like, <laughs> like, why have, like, like, why is that a, a deal breaker yeah. for that character? But we, we can throw away Captain America's whole, whole hat. Yeah, like, it's I just, insane. I, I, yeah, I, I don't get it at all. Like, I, I, and in fairness, like, I think that what I'm hoping for in, in Multiverse Madness is X-Men. Um, oh, I'm always hoping for X-Men. So I'm just going to continue. I, I hope that he's going through all these portals and then Wolverine's there. And then yeah. he's all like, whoa, this guy with claws would be useful. Obviously, and now in the, the um, obviously now in the MCU, vampires have been established. So it'd be interesting to see if he comes across any of those. Uh, so when yeah. were vampires established? What? Eternals. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, okay. So spoilers for the Eternals, which none of you have watched and are going to watch. But what's his face of House Stark is a vampire? Rob or, or Jon yeah, Snow? Rob. No, no, Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Um, sorry, Jon Snow is a vampire. Um, I think I might. I think I'll probably watch that when it's on Disney Plus. But I, 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 sure. I, I have. Okay, well, I won't say zero. anything else. But yeah, essentially, vampires have been established. So it'll be interesting to see because I think they might introduce them. They might bring them up in Doctor Strange just to keep. You know, reminding audiences so that when Blade happens, you're not like, wait, when were vampires here? So oh, I think they'll probably yeah, put some in there fair. just so that as audiences, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that, that isn't a new concept. You have already introduced it to us. So I think that's yeah. what we'll do. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, what is our rating? I think I'm out of. I think I'm out of stuff to say about it. I'm, you, I'm not. Gonna... I'm not. But we have been talking for nearly two hours. So let's give our okay, rating. Cool. All right. <laughs> uh, I would give it a seven out of ten. I think. I think that's fair because you know what I'll say? It goes back to what I've said before when I said at the start of this. As an MCU film, as an MCU movie, as a box office popcorn movie, I'm going to give it like a four and a half out of five. As a cinematic masterpiece, it's good. Like you said, there could be better, there could be better mm. performances. The writing is not incredible, but as a fan service, we love these characters. We know you love those characters. We want to give something to you. It does its job. If you go for dumb... <laughs> brainless action and for some good heartfelt moments you'll love it if you have recently been watching the works of tarantino kubrick and the like this is probably not going to tickle your fancy but as a comic book fan i would say i would say you could add a point to my score for every uh for every previous spider-man who you really like because yes. i think that if you really like toby Maguire's sam raimi spider-man films this then is this is slightly you. better yeah. <laughs> and if you really liked andrew garfield's spider-man but you feel like it was underserved then this is going to be like i think if you love all the previous spider-man films this is probably like a nine out of ten yeah. um but yeah for me it was it would be it would be more in seven territory i guess I maybe yeah like yeah, I enjoyed it, but uh, I don't know that it's the life-changing, world-altering majesty that I've seen a lot of people on yeah, Reddit saying that agreed. it is. Patrick, what's really good? Uh, so me and Beth had a movie night the other night, and I watched, uh, we watched Don't Look Up um, on Netflix. Have you seen? What did you think? Don't... I thought it was good. I enjoyed yeah, it. Um, I thought the satire cut a little close. It was, yeah. it was interesting. 
a comedy film that left me afterwards being all like, oh man, that was super depressing because I totally yeah. think that's what would happen. I, I don't want don't to ruin it for anyone, but there is a scene when Leo DiCaprio has a rant about something and mm. it's a fantastic performance. But like Patrick said, you think, oh God, no, we're living that. We're living that right now and it's yeah. horrible. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell that it's like a satire of climate change deniers and it is it cuts really close to the bone and as the movie goes on it gets less like haha isn't this funny and more like hey isn't this just awful and depressing yeah uh, and I enjoyed it great performances obviously Leonardo DiCaprio is always great uh, Jennifer Lawrence was brilliant Jonah Hill was fantastic yeah Meryl um, Streep was having the time of her life <laughs> yeah yeah and there was like some fun running gags throughout it the snacks one which I thought yeah. were really funny oh Timothy Chalamet was was it was only God, in it, like, Timothy Chalamet needs to end. do more comedy he's so good he was was so funny and you yeah. know what i liked as well what i liked as well is there is a big i don't want to ruin too much for everyone but timothy salome's character is christian and there is a really i feel like christians are an easy punching bag in a lot of media you know it's always yeah. kind of like hey look at this crazy cult that still exists and his character especially when you meet him he starts off really goofy and you find out he's christian you think okay here we go he really humanized that character and he's given one of yeah. the best scenes in the film which is really heartfelt and, and it was yeah, really respectful um, yeah. and considerate. And I really liked that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was really, I thought it was very good. I think it's really interesting that the critic reviews have been really bad for it, mm. but like the Rotten Tomatoes, like user reviews, brilliant. And I like, and I've seen a lot of polarized opinions, but I thought yeah. it was good. I enjoyed it. It's funny it because there's, I get, if, I don't know if you know, you're going to know what I mean. When I watch a lot of Netflix films, they feel like Netflix films. I'm not sure if it's the production value or something, but they never yeah. quite feel like a film that you would see in a theatre. However, one thing I will say for them as a studio is they're taking a lot more chances than a lot of other studios right now. Well, and I, th and I think that recently their films, like Marriage from Marriage Story onwards, I feel like their films are starting to be more like this is like a, a real cinema quality film. Yes, like, yeah. Cause there, was, there was something um, about this where I think it would have been weird to see in a theatre, but... It's fantastic. And I'm really glad that it's a platform because I think probably a lot more people are going to see this than if it got a wide release. Well, it's got kind of an anti-capitalist spin on it as well. Yeah. So it kind of feels right that it's not being like pushed down your yeah, throat by a cinema right, yeah. um, I did love Ariana Grande being able to like uh, poke fun at herself and just be kind of this yeah. head bimbo pop star. I really appreciated that. I thought she was very good. I thought she it. was really funny. And the, <laughs> the song that she had was just, it absolutely crushed me. It was, it was so great. funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, and also catching up on Netflix movies, uh, we watched Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, which, I haven't seen it, but I've heard amazing things. I, I mean, I think that it would probably be dependent on how much you like, I mean, like how much, how willing you are to watch musicals. Um, cause it's, it's, it's very musical. Like there's a lot of songs. There's more song than there is speech in it really. Okay. And, um, and also like how invested you are in the idea of being a creative person because mm. that's kind of the the, the centre of the film. But I thought it was just unbelievable. Absolutely. I thought it was magnificent. I really, really enjoyed every single aspect of it. Uh, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was, I, I, like, if you haven't seen it and if anybody hasn't seen it, I would more than recommend it because I thought it was just fantastic assuming that you're not completely put off by something being a musical because nice. obviously like um but yeah but also is just another fantastic andrew garfield performance i mean he's brilliant, um, so i'm not surprised yeah um and he's also singing and playing the piano in it uh yeah, yeah, and 
and there's a level at which you just like it's disgusting how talented that dude is like and you feel that in in this you can feel that that drive through this it's 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 i thought it was brilliant like it's you know like um and then we watched the lost daughter which is another netflix film sorry um uh, it's directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, um, and it's oh, got I've, Olivia. I have heard it. It made me. It, I, I mean, I I didn't connect with all the parts of it. So Jesse Buckley's in it as well, and I connected with her character quite well. Whereas, like, I struggled with Olivia Coleman's. But talking to Beth about it afterwards, I think that possibly that's because it's I'm not I'm a man, um, and there were aspects of it that. I was a bit like, I don't really get that. And then me and Beth had a conversation about it afterwards, and I was all like, Oh my god, that's really really smart um so yeah and it's but it's very sad um it's got a real kind of melancholy it's not like sad oh no the person died at the end and now we cry it was sad like it's got a real kind of dark melancholy vibe to the whole thing which 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 makes it kind of a difficult watch yeah but um but it's yeah i think it's i think it's as a a directorial debut it's incredible it's really impressive um and obviously olivia coleman's great and jesse buckley's great so you know yeah, it was it was it was really good. All three of them were really good films in different ways, but I enjoyed Tick Tick Boom the most. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching? Uh, still watching Yellow Jackets, which I recommended in the last episode. Uh, and what I've been listening to is Pilot Talk Volume Four, which is the new album from rapper Currency. For people that don't know him, Currency is from Louisiana. He was signed to Lil Wayne's Young Money in the early 2000s, and the deal never really went anywhere. He never released any albums. He appeared on their compilation albums, and then after he left. Drake, his label mate, became the biggest thing in the world. So mm. maybe he shouldn't have left. But he went on to sign to Jay-Z's Rockefeller Records for one album, which was Pilot Talk. Pilot Talk was held in label limbo for so long that they got bored. And he and the producer Ski Beats were like, let's just re-record the album. So they redid all the computer-generated electronic music with a live band and just gave it this really fresh sound. And it was incredible. And it, it, it's got Jay Electronica, Most Def, some of the most talented rappers on it. I mean, all of his albums. So one thing you need to know about Currency is Currency releases maybe six or seven mixtapes a year and has done for the past decade. And they're all about how good it is smoking weed. Currency's best friend is Wiz, <laughs> was Wiz Khalifa. And before they were both massively famous, they had a series of mixtapes where they just rapped about how good smoking weed is. And it's even better when you're a rich rapper because you can afford even more weed and people give you weed and girls want to hang out with you and smoke weed with you when you're smoking weed. That's all he raps about. But he has this amazing draw, this flow, which is just you never know where he's going. His imagination, his use of metaphors, his wordplay. He's just brilliant. And so Pilot Talk has become his kind of... A signature series and this is the fourth installment once again produced by Ski Beats live instrumentation there's only one guest artist on this this time which is uh, Jay Electronica who's a fantastic rapper and there's just something about hearing a guy who is that good at his craft having that much fun with it and get he's he's got to be in his late 30s now he just gets better with every release his his ability to play with words the his his, his experimentation like every single one of his projects is different he has projects that have really Louisiana jazz funk soul inspired stuff really super electronic stuff he's got a project with the alchemist which is just all soul samples and really like just boom bap rap and then he's got something like this which is just like i'm gonna rap about weed but it's really big budget doesn't this sound expensive i just love him he's so fun he's amazing i remember one time if you go go out and find him just google currency freestyle but he did one of those challenges 
where people like are supposed to throw you words and then you rap about the words. But he's so stoned, he forgets the words by the time he's supposed to perform them. So someone's like, cabbage. And he's like, yeah, I had a cabbage in a um, chair. Didn't I say cabbage? It's like, he's so high. He can't contemplate what's going on. He's just a great personality. Even if you don't like rap, find literally any one of his his mixtapes. And uh, there are, no exaggeration, hundreds out there to choose from. He deserves a much bigger fan base than he has. Um, but yeah, he's just one of these people I, I just constantly enjoy listening to. And I'm really glad this one seems to be getting quite a push. I think it was the second highest rated rap album that week, falling only after like Kanye or something, nice. like one of the big dogs. So he's he's finally getting that recognition. So yes, I'd recommend that. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm going to check out the new Weekend album because that seems to be a concept mm-hmm. album about The Weekend having his own radio station hosted by Jim Carrey. That sounds insane. Yeah, and I think it's about, if you see the cover, the cover has a, an aged up weekend looking close to death. And I think the album kind of deals with that as you go through the track list. It kind of, it's him dealing with his own mortality. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested in that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of The weekend. I don't know how many people know his whole story, but when he first came out, no one even knew what he looked like. Or his first few albums were all anonymous and everyone was like, is it a group? Is it a duo? Is it a Daft Punk thing? And then... Eventually, we saw his face and he had the dreads. Then he got rid of the dreads. And I don't know if you saw his, his last album artwork, but he had like cuts and bruises and he seemed to get the crap beat out of him in every music video until the end. He ended up getting plastic surgery and doesn't look like The Weeknd anymore. So he's always playing with these weird kind of ideas of how to present mm. market music. And even and people's just, perceptions of him. Exactly. And so even though he's just doing straight pop, the presentation means something to him. You know, you could say album artwork and, and music videos are just marketing but they're not to him it's like if i'm going to do everything i'm going to do everything properly so he works with a lot of the best people in a lot of the most creative ways and i'm i think in this day and age when a lot of that stuff is seen as disposable i i have a lot of time for someone like that who really wants to go all in so yeah that'll be my next thing um cool. i don't know what we're going to cover next week but you will see us next week on Z- yeah no, i've got Brown no idea Horse network and yeah patrick <laughs> beat me into submission so that's what we are now because honestly I scratched my head after we spoke, but I genuinely couldn't think of a better name. So we are the Big Brown Horse Network. This is Panels and Bars. Thank you for listening as always. Rate, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, Maybe next week might be a good time for Patrick to do Patrick Explains Neo Genesis. Oh, yes. Yes, I've got a bunch of notes for that already. So yeah, yeah, we'll do that. If you want to get notes for that done, we'll see you next week and I will learn about all the weird gangly robots along with you people. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. See you next time. Bye. Bye.